Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Agnes London podcast. I'm your host Sophie and this week I'm chatting to Stephanie Todd, also known as Sustainable Stephanie. Steph works in sustainability for university and she also has her Sustainable Stephanie platform online where she talks about small swaps we can make every day. In this episode, we are chatting about everything from biodiversity to how we can engage more people in environmental issues and sustainability and individual actions we can all take to make a big difference. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, Steph, thank you so much for agreeing to come on my podcast. Hi, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm really privileged uh, to be featured on here. Thank you. Of course. I'm really excited to chat to you some more. I know we've met a couple of times in person, but they've always been like occasions where you can't really have a full-blown chat. Yeah, absolutely. It was nice because we met prior face-to-face. We met via Instagram and then um, actually kind of putting a face to an Instagram profile is really, really nice um, to meet the person behind it. Um, And yeah, we've always been in kind of really super busy markets haven't we so you know I haven't wanted to take up too much of your time where you've got (laughs) other customers trying to buy all your lovely items (laughs) yeah so now we can actually um, have a proper chat and I can find out more about what you do I mean I follow you on Instagram have been for a while and so perhaps if you want to just start off by telling us what you do I know you work in sustainability in your day job as well as having your sustainable Stephanie platform yeah sure so Um, My name is Stephanie Todd, so I go by the name of Sustainable Stephanie, as some of you may know. So I'm a a full-time sustainability manager at a London university, um, and I've been, I guess, a sustainability professional for five years now. So I studied environmental science at the University of Southampton. I did a master's and then went straight into um, the corporate world, mainly because I I kind of personally felt that's where I could make a big difference. Mm. And don't get me wrong, I love the corporate world, love my full-time job, but I got six months into it and thought I had this bit of a reality check moment where I thought I'm really not a very sustainable person myself and, you know, I'm working as an environmental consultant here telling everyone how they can make their business sustainable, but but what am I doing? So I set up my sustainability Instagram site back in 2017, which is quite a long time ago now. There weren't many people that were really in the game that were doing sustainability like purely on Instagram. There are a lot of fitness influencers, but nobody's really focusing on sustainability. So I set it up because I kind of just felt a little bit alone. Mm -hmm. I wanted to find other people that were, you know, discovering this passion for their, for their own environmental footprint. Um, And I've kind of just built the page up from there. So my page is all about sustainable swaps, um, and just having a really honest um, approach to sustainability, a very measured approach and thinking about what we can do as individuals. So I, I generally don't put a lot of my corporate stuff on there, not because I don't think it's interesting, but I don't know. I've just always kind of kept them separate. So my offline work um, is, yeah, a, a full time job, which mm. is really great fun. It's really varied you know typical things of a sustainability manager are you know the basics are going to be making sure that the business is um, compliant with environmental legislation but then putting in place all of those improvement measures so tackling waste management um, looking at reusables bringing those into different workplaces and and into our university um, looking at the university's greenhouse gas emissions you know how can we improve those improve efficiency and reduce it where possible so 
no day is different as a sustainability manager. There's, it's just a really broad array of different tasks and sustainability things to get involved with. I imagine changes on a business level are also quite difficult, different to changes on a personal level as well. I'm sure there's some crossover, but yeah, I imagine they're quite different from each other. Yeah, and the, um, I mean, the one thing that I think has kind of helped me is that having that that background, you know, from a, a corporate side and, mm. you know, understanding all of the different certifications and even just terminologies between compostable and biodegradable and all those things, it's really helped me inform actually what products I think are sustainable and, you know, what products actually might just be a bit of greenwashing. So I find that they really complement the two as well and then the you know my instagram's really helped me with that whole sustainability engagement piece Mm. in the office in the workplace you know how do we bring people along on that journey how do we engage people in the office to actually take recycling seriously and not just think oh it's something that we just throw away and it goes away and it's dealt with yeah most people in your office on board with the changes that you suggest and the work that you are trying to do yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, that's that's the one thing that's really refreshing. The the one of the reasons actually I moved into the higher education sector um, is that universities are really leading the way, and I wanted to be in an environment that was quite progressive um, and diverse, and was just kind of really ready for the challenge. Um, so, you know, my role when I speak to senior leaders, they they just get sustainability. And, you know, I, I don't think it was like that five years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, I think sustainability was kind of seen as the thing to do because it's nice to have. And if we don't do it, it will look bad. Whereas now, you know, people just understand it's the right thing to do. Yes, you can have the business case for sustainability, um, you know, the, the economic benefits, the social benefits, the environmental benefits, but people just do it now because it's right. So mm. that's really helpful. That's like the first battle won for me, um, yeah. which is always the biggest challenge. Yeah, things have changed a lot, I think, in the past five years. Mm. Have you found that the youth climate strikes have helped a lot with your work if you're working in a higher education? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, for universities, the customer is students, right? Yeah, so if if the university isn't seen to be uh, responding adequately to the climate crisis, students aren't going to want to go there. And equally, you know, big organisations now have graduate scheme intakes and many graduates are coming out of university. You know, when they look at the different organisations they could work for, I know I certainly did, sustainability, yes, okay, that's part of my job, but you could be a project manager you could be in procurement sustainability is still important to you and Mm. probably that plays well certainly it does play a big role in picking what business perhaps you want to work with so yeah it's certainly not just higher education I think it's all business now is realizing the responsibility and the interest that you know students going into the workforce have for sustainability yeah yeah, that's so true. I mean, when I graduated university and was looking for a job, um, it wasn't really something that was on my radar. But now if I were to look for a job, it would 100% be a deciding factor in which company I went to work for. And I also think, you know, events over the past few months would play into that as well, how companies have dealt with the lockdown and how they've responded to like the Black Lives Matter mm. movement and things yeah, like that. Yeah, you know, it's, absolutely. It's so much more than just like, 
am I going to like the team? How much are they going to pay me nowadays, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because you're spending so much of your time at work and, you know, you're putting a lot into it, it becomes a part of you, really. Mm. So if you're not happy with the place that you're working and you don't fully support it, you know, that's not going to be somewhere that you'll want to stay. Um, and just like you said, with the money, you know, yes, obviously money's a part of it. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think a lot of a lot of students are now coming out looking at the sustainability credentials of organisations. Mm. I wonder, and this is probably quite, might be quite a broad question, hard to summarise, but I wonder if there's any pointers you could give that's like a, a key indicator when looking to work with a company or as well if there's anything employees can do when they're within a company to try and encourage that company to move sustainability higher up the agenda? Yeah, there's lots of different things that you can look out with uh, for a company. So obviously checking out their website and their sustainability portal on their website is going to be the main the main area. Um, and that's going to really show you how transparent the organisation is. So, um, you know, organisations like Lush, they will publish everything um, on on their website about sustainability, and you know they're a particularly responsible organisation. And I think the more information that you have, mm. um, and actually how that information is presented, if it's presented in a way that's easy for you to understand, that shows that the company actually wants to properly communicate its information. So I would definitely, um, you know, look at the organisation's website. Um, and also their their annual reports as well, because that will detail um, their greenhouse gas emissions and what kind of reduction they've put in place. Also, what kind of campaigns that you can get involved with. Do they have environmental volunteering schemes that you can sign up to? Will they give you, say, like two days to three days off a year to support a local charity? And they're the kind of things that I would be looking at if I was first you know, if I was back um, as a student mm-hmm. looking at an organisation to work for. Mm. Um, and another really good organisation as well, if there are students listening, um, is an organisation called Students Organising for Sustainability. Um, and that's a really good way for you to get involved in, um, you know, being an active member in the climate crisis and tackling the climate climate crisis without having to be, you know, somebody on an environmental science course. That's mm. the thing. We need students and we need everyone across the whole patch to get involved in sustainability. Um, you know, it's not just for environmentalists. We, we need everyone on board in this. So, yeah, I'd definitely say check out the organisation's website. I know it's a really simple thing that you probably do anyway, but really mm. that's where you can get all the information. Um, and if you're a student, yeah, check out Students Organising for Sustainability. Cool, thank you. So how can we get more people to engage with sustainability and environmental issues and open up the conversation around it? Yeah, well, I mean, that's a really good question. (laughs) That is, I think that's probably my main goal, really, is bringing everyone along on the journey. And the difficulty is, is that um, as a, I guess, a sustainability influencer, I don't like to use that because I find it a bit cringe for some reason but yeah as a sustainability influencer you can kind of find yourself in this trap of an echo chamber of everyone just feeding off and bouncing off each other and you're just not engaging with the people that you really want to the people that we want to get involved are the people that will throw litter on the street and don't Mm. see the problem with it yeah or the people that will just say it's my right to eat meat and you can't tell me otherwise um 
that they're the kind of people that we want to crack into, but it's hard because they're often the hardest people to crack into. Um, so I would say to continue the conversation is just to use your pla- use your own individual platform and your voice. And again, I know that's something that people have heard before, but you know, you're the ones that can make a big change. You don't have to be a sustainable Stephanie or a sustainable Elle or a sustainable whatever. You know, you're going to have your friendship group, your network, your friends and your family. Um, use that platform and use that group because if you if you engage that group, it's going to just go further and further and further and further. And just having a passion for something is so important because it will it, it will infect everyone. You know, mm-hmm. you'll have people at work, at home, will suddenly start trying to make an effort and really think about their environmental footprint and perhaps what they could do a little bit better as well. And maybe just even understanding the the wider challenges that we face when it comes to, you know, things like climate change and soil erosion and biodiversity loss. There's, there's so many different areas. So, yeah, use use your own voice. You don't have to become you know a sustainability influencer but if you do great i would always encourage somebody to do that but use your own platform and just speak to your closest friends about it because that actually makes potentially a bigger difference than setting up your own sustainability platform yeah yeah that's so true and you know people might think i'm not an influencer i don't have an influence but if you have two people that follow you that listen to what you say then that is that's you know two more people that like that's a huge influence Yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah definitely yeah and I think there's something very infectious about seeing someone who's passionate about something as well oh absolutely I mean I always think to myself you know what is my reason why am I why am I doing this um Mm. because you can kind of when it comes to sustainability and living sustainably um you you can go on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and you can kind of lose sight as to well hang on a minute why am I actually doing this so I think you know if you can remind yourself what's what's the reason what is it that really sticks out to you why am i why am i putting all this effort into finding a new plastic free shampoo that isn't going to make my hair greasy you know why am i doing it for me i think the first thing that kind of got me so passionate about this was and it sounds really cliche but it was david attenborough documentaries you know it was things like watching blue planet from an early age seeing the next blue planet come out it was those amazing images of planet earth and seeing how we were just screwing it up and I was just I was just shocked by it I just couldn't believe it and I thought I've I've got to do something you know we we can all we can all say oh I'm not big enough you know somebody else is gonna cause more damage but what's the point if we have that attitude do you know what I mean if we all just say oh well can't be bothered someone else can do it for me there's what's the point (laughs) yeah so I think if you can really think about what your what your personal driver is for for creating change that's that's the biggest thing that will keep you going on your sustainability journey yeah yeah that's so true and I think a lot of people might get into it because they are say for example they've been inspired by hearing about Boohoo's factories in Leicester so they're cutting back on their fast fashion and then that just like Mm. leads to a gateway to so many more things doesn't it um you know you start to look at like your beauty shampoo bars the food you eat and that's great because then it it reinforces the reason why so Mm -hmm. 
for me, when I, uh, I went vegan two years ago now, um, I did Veganuary just to give it a go. My main reason being environmental reasons. Yeah. I, I can say that I was a meat eater for the majority of my life and I didn't, I didn't really have a problem with that. I didn't think it was an issue. But then, you know, my main purpose was doing it for the climate. And then the more I thought about it, like you said, with the whole boohoo factories, it gives you other reasons. And I thought, hang on a minute, I'm eating animals. Is this something that I really want to be doing you know Mm. could I could I eat an animal now if I was given one to kill no I couldn't so then it kind of just completely reinforces the reason why you're doing it and and other supporting reasons so um yeah I completely agree with that and I what's going on in Leicester with the boohoo factories it's great that so many people have jumped on that and are sharing how awful it is Mm. um we need as many voices championing that as, as possible yeah I think what's also quite important with that as well is that the conversation around it continues um because it's not this is mm. not the first time that it has been reported in the media that this is going on in Leicester um you know I think there's it's been several times over the years and yet it came around again this time and it's still like oh my goodness like this is new and it's like it's it's not this is you yeah know, it's just because of the the pandemic at the moment that it's getting a lot more attention because of the impact of it absolutely and that's and that the, the problem is is that it's so hard because there's so many things that we need mm. to be fighting and and improving so a bit like how last year uh all of the there's a tweet that the wwf put out about how the amazon was on fire and I don't know if you remember, but that absolutely spiraled. You know, people were saying we need to make change. This has to, ha- you know, this has to stop. We have to stop supporting um, indirectly and directly um, mm-hmm. deforestation and um, flash and burn of the the rainforest. And that's just one thing. There's so many different things, aren't there? So it can get a bit overwhelming when yeah. you think of all the different things that we need to be supporting and championing. So I can kind of see why, you know, there are kind of spikes in communications and then it dies off but you're right it's something that we have to continue and you know maybe that's not you know sharing it on your stories every single day but just by your own behaviors um you know if you're choosing to not buy at boohoo again fantastic Mm. keeps that up and that's your way of continuing the conversation with your actions yeah yeah it doesn't have to be like a constant sharing of like a bad news cycle because I don't think any of us need any more of that I know (laughs) so obviously it's felt maybe less so now but the past few months it's felt quite difficult to continue the conversation around environmental issues with the pandemic going on and the lockdown and you know people being impacted very differently um, so I was wondering what your take on that is and how you think we can continue to have the conversation around environmental issues and, you know, press how urgent it is that we do need action during this time. Yeah, that's that's a really good question. Where do I begin? I mean, COVID-19 has been an atrocity and I find it so hard when people talk about the silver linings of COVID-19, you know, how mm-hmm. um, greenhouse gas emissions have reduced and air quality has improved. Sure, but that's, that's such a short-term, imp- yeah. you know, that's such a short-term improvement. There's going to be long-term implications from COVID-19. You know, we've seen the conference, the parties, the, the global climate conference has been pushed back to next year. Cuts to business has resulted, I think, um, it's about 60% of businesses are decreasing their investment in sustainability there was a report that came out from a company called ed the other day that that reported that 
Um, and actually, in the long term, you know, we're going to see widespread use of disposable single-use plastics, mm-hmm. even even things like uh, ventilation is yeah. going to have to be increased in buildings to turn over the air at a quicker rate. So therefore, energy use is actually going to go up in buildings which have less occupancy because there's social distancing in place. So the energy intensity is actually higher. So in terms of continuing the conversation, um, we have to identify and really push the fact that whilst COVID has been terrible, it, it presents an opportunity for, for that sustainable building back greener building back better and it's given us that time to kind of pause and reevaluate what we're doing you know do we have to be um, commuting into the office monday to friday every single day um it's it's made us rethink our behaviors and that's what we really have to be pushing you know do we need to be traveling as much working from home should businesses be supporting people working from home to make sure that they have got, you know, green energy tariffs, they're in a well-insulated building. Um, it's, it's really going to shift our, our behaviours, I think, for the long term. And in terms of the urgency, the time is now. We, we just, we don't have, we're, we are running out of time. And this is an opportunity that we, we really have to take by the horns and run with. Yeah. Completely, I completely agree. I think, I mean, hopefully this has helped businesses come around to the idea of flexible working and move away from the idea that to have a productive workforce, they need to be all in an office together between nine and five, Monday to Friday. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, it's such a complex issue because then you have increased cloud storage as well, which is powered by energy intensive data centres. So Mm. The, the difficulty with sustainability is that it's just that it's that constant trade-off, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, one thing improves, the other thing um, gets worse. Um, and it's, it's finding that balance. But what we have seen from COVID is, you know, those short-term improvements are improved air quality, um, you know, reduced greenhouse gas emissions, yes, temporarily from reduced yeah. flights, reduced um, travelling. Um, And what I would like to think from a a personal level and one thing that I've learned from this is um, from the traveling perspective. I mean, I've had two weeks off of annual leave and I'm the kind of person that will love to book in something, always have to book in my time and make the most of my annual leave. And I've realized that actually, you know, I don't have to go away to enjoy my time off. I don't have to get on a flight to go somewhere. Flying is is one thing that I want to improve myself personally. I offset my emissions, but you know, it, it I could be doing better. I could just be not getting on a plane in the first place. And lockdown has taught me that I don't think I actually miss it too much. So I would love to think that some people are the same and they feel the same way that actually they're going to be exploring more of the UK and realizing what beautiful local spaces we have rather than feeling the need to pop on a plane to Ibiza. But unfortunately, I'm already seeing it happening. I don't know yeah, about you, but yeah, there's, there's yeah. a lot of people that, you know, are now like, great, I'm off. I'm, o- I'm, I'm overseas. The borders are, redu- you know, lifted. We mm-hmm. can go on holiday again, which, you know, people want to have their holidays. But let's let's think about doing it in the UK. We've got some beautiful places here. 
Yeah, we're doing some really stunning parts of the UK. Um, that was actually something I had made a note to talk to you about was I think the environmental benefits from the lockdown have been shared a lot. And obviously, you know, clearest waters, wildlife mm. returning to areas that they previously hadn't been in and people celebrating that. And I've sometimes felt that people haven't necessarily put two and two together that when we start to go back to normal, that will then start to go back to how it was. Yeah. And also that's that's the way it should be. You know, it should be clean water. It mm-hmm. should be biodiversity thriving. It's it's kind of been seen as this um like novelty that's happened. Wow, look, we've we've stopped causing problems and look look what's happened. Well that that's what we want. We want we need to live in harmony with nature and it's it's finding that balance. And I think we can. I think we can find that balance. And I think business um, an industry is seriously looking at returning to work in a sustainable way. Um, you know, it's, it's obviously a safe way, but a sustainable way as well. And I think that can be achieved, certainly from my perspective anyway. I know that the higher education sector is is really leading in that area. Yeah, I think that's really promising to hear that they are putting a lot of effort into that as well because you know that is the next generation workforce it's going to come from there and they are the ones that yeah. are going to, have to drive the change in um exactly their workplaces so i saw you post the other day about hs2 and i wanted to have a chat to you a bit more about it because i feel like it's something that i have heard a lot about for several years now and I don't necessarily understand I mean I I don't get me wrong I understand what is happening um but I don't necessarily know that much about the environmental impact and you know I live and have lived in areas you know quite close to where it will be going through um so yeah I just wanted to chat to you a little bit more about the environmental impact of it and maybe about what more we can do to help on an individual level yeah, sure. So you're right. So I've recently started talking about HS2 um, on my channel. But as you said, it's something that's been going on for quite some time. Um, and there has been um, a huge pushback from the environmental community on HS2. And there's been a fantastic report that's come out from the Wildlife Trust that really summarises the, 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 huge, the huge impacts HS2 will have um, on the environment. I mean, 700 wildlife sites are going to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. 33 sites of special scientific interest. Species such as uh, willow tit, barn owls, hedgehogs, they're all going to be displaced and destroyed. Um, it's, it's a really difficult one. It's, it's, I think if this goes ahead, it's going to be a real failure of mm-hmm. this, this century. Um, it's something that I feel really strongly about and it's hard because um i know what it's like as being a a, an environmental consultant there are people that are working on this project you know you've got environmental consultants you've got archaeologists that are trying to mitigate the impact of hs2 they are trying to replant trees um you know put in wildlife corridors yes there are um mitigation methods that are happening however the problem is is that those mitigation measures aren't enough. The, the the scale of HS2 is absolutely huge. We're in a climate emergency now, and this, this scheme isn't going to be carbon neutral until the next century. Um, 
And the mitigation that measures that are put in place are just not enough. I mean, yes, trees are being planted, but there's been evidence of all these trees that have just been left to starve of water and have then died. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of us as taxpayers, you know, it's, it's costing us over £100 billion. And it's something that hasn't even had a strategic environmental assessment as well. So there's been an you know, individual level environmental assessment. But it, there's, there's so, I mean, there's so much to talk about in terms of biodiversity loss. That's, that's the main um, issue. You've also got water um, issues as well. So there's large volumes of water that are going to be need, needed as part of the um, engineering work. That's going to involve draining an aquifer that serves London. Also, chalk um, chalk streams are going to be impacted. I would say take the best thing for listeners to do is to, to go to the um, Wildlife Trust website and have a look at HS2 because that will summarise um, a lot better than I can um, the impact that it's going to have on wildlife. Um, and also, actually, if you check out Chris Packham, um, yeah, he's been doing it. a lot of communications on HS2 and has actually been the one that's lobbying the government on this um, in the courts, which is fantastic. Um, you know, that that is what we need, holding our government accountable on this. Um, and then if you're interested to see what's happening on the ground level, mm. so the, the fantastic people that are actually tying themselves to trees and looking at what's happening on the ground level will give you a real sense of what um, environments are being lost. Um, if you check out it, HS2 Rebellion, I think that's the, the Instagram page. And I think it's really important to have a look at what's actually going on in the ground because it's very easy. Like you said, you hear it on the news, oh, HS2, oh, right, yeah, there's going to be some habitat loss. How does that impact me? Well, you know, it doesn't directly impact everyone. It it will because of the biodiversity loss and how ecosystem collapse ultimately will impact us all. But mm. HS2 isn't going through everyone's backyard. But I think yeah. when you see um, the trees that are being cut down, the wildlife sites that are being destroyed, the habitats, the, the protected species at risk, then a lot of people will realise, you know, yes, it's not going through my backyard, but that's that's personal. That's That's our public space. That's our our wildlife that's being lost so yeah. i'd yeah i'd highly highly recommend to look at those three sources mm, thank you so other than you know reading those few sources that you have recommended there is there anything more that we can do about it oh yeah of course and um, e- emailing your mp as well mm-hmm. so that's something i've i've done um i've i've emailed my mp and i got a response back and to be honest it was a it was a pretty politician, standard politician answer response, which I wasn't surprised by because yeah. my um, politician is conservative and obviously it's a conservative government that pushed this through. But um, it's important to do that because if nobody do, if nobody runs our MP, then it's just, you know, it, that our MPs are just going to assume, well, there's not an issue. It's just a few people on the ground that are protecting these trees. They're the ones that care. But, you know, I'm not getting any any emails in my inbox about it. So... The power of um, writing to your MP is huge. And I think a lot of people can be put off by it because they think, well, I'm not an expert. I don't I don't really know what to say. And, um, you know, is there a, a template that I should be filling in? Is there, is there just a petition that I could sign and um, I could do that instead? Well, yes, you can, you can use templates and you can 
sign you know petitions online and they're great don't get me wrong they're really good but I think it's so important to just write from the heart just write have a look at the information um, look at what the wildlife trust has to say about HS2 and just put it in your own words because you can't get that wrong that's that's what your thoughts and feelings are and then it's up to your MP to justify their opinion and what what they think of HS2. Mm, That's very yeah very good advice I think with that and I'm sure with you know many other things in life it's kind of like a, oh what what would just one letter do you know what does my yeah, soul, like, yeah. soul voice what impact does that have but it's about us all if we did it if you and I do it that's already two people you know the more and more people the bigger impact it has and um you know larger numbers are made up of individual voices aren't they absolutely and it's not it's not too late it's easy to think well you know it's already in motion. There's people out there working on HS2. Part of the route's been done. There's still some more to do. It's not too late. We really can't give up until the last final moment. So yeah, I'd really encourage everyone to take a look at that. It's um, it's hard reading, but I think it's really important for us to, to all look at that. Mm, yeah. Well, thank you. That was something that I yeah felt like I should know more about. Um, as again it's been a big project that's been going on but I feel like when they talk about these big projects in the news for a long time we get a little bit deaf to them yeah it's so easy to and like we were saying earlier there's so many different campaigns that are happening at the moment it can be it can be quite exhausting Mm. so also I would say just be kind to yourself as well um you know you 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 can't realistically fight every battle I think it'd be a full-time job if you were writing to your MP for every atrocity that was happening from a sustainability perspective and wider so yeah um focus your efforts on the things that that um really really mean a lot to you because I think that's where you can make a big difference Mm, yeah so obviously working in sustainability and then running your platform on the side as well you know like we've discussed it can be quite draining there is a lot going on there's there's definitely some positive things happening but there are also a heck of a lot there are there are yeah um so how do you look after yourself and give yourself the I don't want to say self-care but how do you like look after yourself so you have the energy you need to carry on yeah um that's a good one so I mean for me I I'd have to say that my um I have to focus my efforts in my job first Mm. that that is always a first and then I put my energy into campaigning I'd love to campaign full-time but you know I've got to pay (laughs) got to pay the bills so um my work comes first and actually I can see big change from the work that I do the feeling when you um put an initiative in place and you see it reflected in the data that the recycling has improved the total waste has gone down the greenhouse and gas emissions have gone down that's where I feel like I can make a big difference so mm-hmm. actually um, and I think everyone can make a big difference through their work you don't have to be a sustainability professional um, to make a difference so yeah so for me I'll, I'll, I always have to put my effort into my my work and then my family and then obviously through my sustainability page but I, t- I do take breaks um, from my Instagram page when things get a lot and I think that's yeah. important to do because uh, sometimes like I said when you're in this echo chamber it can be information overload and you can think I'm not doing enough I'm not being a good enough sustainability ambassador I'm not writing enough letters but the biggest thing is yeah just just 
take breaks when you have to that's fine don't try and fight every battle because you can't win every battle um and if you spread yourself so thinly you're going to completely burn out so focus on the things that really matter to you and and don't worry about taking breaks you know Mm -hmm. every every great business has had to have times where it's paused stopped reflected and worked out what it's going to do next so um yeah I think taking breaks is important so I guess that's kind of my my I don't know really what I do I kind of see my sustainability page as my self-care I'm not sure if I have I mean I go running that's kind of a good outlet but (laughs) um but yeah having having some good breaks and spending time in nature is always a good way to unwind and remind you what you're doing and, and the reason that you're you're fighting for a better planet yeah yeah that's so true I think also sometimes it can feel quite hard to take a break when we are connected and switched on all the time I know and I think actually sometimes we can just talk about the bad stuff yeah and what one thing that I try to do with my profile is just try and keep things positive Mm -hmm. and you know yes we're going to have setbacks things aren't going to be great but there are positive there are positive things that are happening I mean one of my um my favorite things that that came out in the media this is about a month ago um in june was that the uk went two whole months without burning coal which is amazing so So the first coal coal fired power station was opened in 1882 and it was only in 2017 so when i set my page up so only three years ago the uk had its first coal free day so that's only three years ago we had our first day without coal ever in the history of generating coal since 1882. Mm-hmm. And now, three years later, we've gone two whole months without burning coal, which is fantastic. And it's things like that that sometimes I think can just get forgotten about. I mean, coal is such a huge source of greenhouse gas emissions. Mm-hmm. And it's data that like that that I just find so empowering because it shows that in our lifetime there's been a massive change and we can hear people like you know David Attenborough saying oh in my lifetime there's been a huge change but uh, that was a terrible David Attenborough impression <laughs> but I don't know why I did that it's just as natural isn't it when you say David Attenborough but um but in our life in our lifetime there's been a huge change in three years that's not even a lifetime that's yeah. you know a baby's lifetime we've gone from one day without coal in 2017 to you know two months without it so there are positives things that are happening yeah that's so good and so worth remembering as well and keeping in mind and yeah I think also it's quite easy to see that headline and gloss over it and not think about the you know the real impact that that actually has as well yeah yeah and that and that changes you know that's that's not just you know the, the energy board that have done that that's people that are switching to green providers that are showing that there's that demand for renewable energy you know and if we don't have that demand there it's not going to encourage and provide the government you know the incentives and the confidence to think right we we need to keep this up as a demand there so it's everything kind of comes back to the consumer and yes you can have big businesses and big organizations but consumer power is just huge yeah yeah, it's massive. So if me or my listeners go away and do one thing after this podcast, what should it be? Oh, this is so this is a really hard question. It's hard because I could tell you to 
I could tell you to go vegan or I could say go and switch your energy supplier, but it may be that people are already doing that. So um, I would say go away and, and I think I mentioned this earlier in the podcast, but reaffirm the reasons why you're passionate about sustainability. Um, Mm -hmm. What, what is it that you want to see um, in the world? Because otherwise, like we're talking about burnout, it can be exhausting what was it that made you think, God, I really want to start using less plastic? Um, Maybe it was a documentary. For me, it was documentaries. Maybe go away and just, we're talking about be kind. Maybe go away and be kind to yourself and indulge yourself in, you know, a new book or another documentary um, Mm -hmm. on this topic. It's it's almost so easy to say everyone should go away and write to their MP, switch their energy supplier, do this, do that, do that. But that's putting a lot of pressure on individuals and it may be that they have already made those changes. So I would just say go away and do something for you that made you realise why sustainability is important and why you have to make a change because that will just propel you for the next six months, one year. That's what I like to do. I, I like to top myself up with kind of inspiration whether that's documentaries whether that's other influencers um it's just important i think to keep ourselves sane in this this climate crisis that we're in yeah that's a really nice way of looking at it top yourself up with inspiration yeah yeah just have a little bit of a top up (laughs) yeah that leads really nicely into my final question which i ask every podcast guest which is what have you seen or read recently that's left you feeling positive and uplifted about the future um, I mean, I've said it earlier, but I think it's got to be the the um the coal the coal free mm-hmm. days. That's just really made me smile. And I know it's not your typical story about something fluffy that's mm-hmm. being reintroduced. Although saying that, something fluffy that's being reintroduced. Have you read that bison are going to be reintroduced yes. to the UK? Yes, Maybe I that. Yeah. There we go. That's that's my. Um, I was going to go with coal, but I'll finish with something. <laughs> cute and fluffy if you can call um bison cute cute and fluffy (laughs) but yeah I reckon they are maybe they're a bit smelly as well but um yeah I think that I mean that's fantastic because that's an example of rewilding and introducing um a fantastic grazer into our natural environment that's going to open up swathes of land that will you know allow small species rare species orchids perhaps to grow where otherwise they they couldn't. Um, And I think it's great when you just see active conservation activities Mm. coming to fruition like this, because that's a real positive, that's a positive story. So, um, yeah, I think the reintroduction of bison into the the UK is going to be mine. Yeah, I think that's so cool to think that like there could be another animal or like species around that we are not used to seeing. I think that's really exciting. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. And all the different little niches and habitats that that, that bison will create as well for, you know, mm. other insects or pollinators that suddenly are going to emerge in these areas. So it's like a, a domino effect, but a good domino effect because we're often using that domino effect with bad things, aren't yeah. we? How is like that negative spiral? We do this wrong, this happens, and then ecosystem collapses. This is this is us trying to rebuild ecosystems by introducing bison. So yeah, that will be my what my one. <laughs> that's yeah, that's a really good one. 
Yeah, I love that. Well, Stephanie, thank you. We've covered everything, haven't we? We have covered (laughs) everything. From bison to coal to work, it's been been, uh, a journey. So uh, thanks so much for having me on. No worries. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your knowledge with us. It's been very interesting. Um, If people want to find out a little bit more about you, where can they find you? Uh, so you can find me on Instagram if you search sustainable, I think it's an underscore. Yeah, sustainable <laughs> underscore Stephanie. That sounds quite old school, doesn't it? Yeah. Underscore. Um, if you search sustainable Stephanie, I should come up. Um, and I've also got a website as well, www.sustainablestephanie.com. And yeah, I'd love to, to meet you all, reconnect with you. And I look forward to seeing you at another market, hopefully yes. soon, Sophie, in yes, the future. I look forward to seeing you in person when that's a thing again when that day comes I can't wait (laughs) thank you so much for listening to this episode I hope you enjoyed it and got a lot out of it as usual you can find out more about Agnes London by following me on Instagram at Agnes London or by checking out my website www.agneslondon.com I'll be back next Wednesday with the final episode from season two so be sure to subscribe so you don't miss it see you next week